0: Father, thank you so much for all that you do in our life, and thank you that we can just share about your goodness this morning. May you encourage our heart, just as you know we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this summer, I had the privilege of going to the general conference and helping my in-laws with a variety of responsibilities that they had. Our days were kind of long. We'd be in the prayer room sometimes all day. They had seminars they were coordinating, and I got to be the runner, just helping with whatever I could, going and getting their lunch, hauling boxes from place to place, carrying their suitcases. We had a lot of fun. But when I was there, I got to catch up with a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. And that's one of the favorite things about GC or times like that, because there's so many people there that you don't get to see at other times. And... As we were there, a friend of mine texted that she was going to be there and that we should meet up. And so we tried several nights, but didn't work out until one night later in the week, she finally texted, hey, are you going to the meeting tonight? And I wasn't, and she wasn't either. And so she said, well, come over to our hotel room and let's just catch up. Let's hang out. So I said that sounded good. And as my in-laws went to sleep, I headed over to their motel. And it was really fun just catching up. And as I walked over there, I remembered that another mutual friend had said, It is so awesome to room with these girls, my friend and her roommate. It's so awesome. Every night they want to feed us. She wants to give us a foot massage before we go to bed every night. They're the best roommates. So as I'm walking over there, I'm getting these texts. Hey, by the way, are you hungry? We could feed you when you get here. And told them I'd already ate. So I get to their motel room and we're just visiting, we're catching up. We had been friends from several years past. And sure enough, she says, Hey, lay down on my bed, I'll give you a back rub. So they're giving me a back rub and I'm fully enjoying being there. And then all of a sudden, one of their other roommates comes, and they were sharing this room, four girls. And they start to talk amongst themselves and say, tell Leah about the $100. And I'm just laying there getting my back rubbed. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, 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 tell her. Oh, it was so amazing. Another girl says, well, there's actually more to the story now. And they're all getting excited amongst themselves. I don't know what they're talking about. And little by little, they start to share about their experience over the past several days. They had not even been there almost a week. Well, they'd been there almost a week. And God had done so many things. So all four of these girls are basically missionaries. Two of them gave up their job, gave up their cars, gave up their homes, and moved to China to work with lepers. That's my friend Joy and her friend. Then there's another girl who's a student, but also a minute, also a missionary. And then they get this other fourth girl who's also a missionary, all rooming in the same room. And so they start to share with me about how all of them came to the GC because God had told them to come, and they all came on faith. Most of them did not have much money with them, and frankly, they didn't know how they were even going to pay for their hotel room at the end of the stay. So they all came because God wanted them to come, and little by little, they start to realize, how are we going to pay for this? So my friend Joy gets there. She's a leper, she's a minis- missionary with the lepers in China, and when she gets to the hotel, she sees that the place— is really nice. And she tells this other girl, how much is this going to cost? Because she's thinking in her mind, I don't think we can contribute that much. And the girl said, well, I think it'll be about 2000 by the end of the week. 2000 She said she had to pick her jaw up off of the floor. $2,000. She said, I'm afraid I can't stay here. I think that my friend and I, we should go find a Motel 6. We should find somewhere farther away. I know this is convenient because we're all going to be working here, but it's way too much money. Melissa, the other roommate, said, sit down. So she sat down. She said, God wants us here. Just think of all the ways we've already shared, how he's provided for our tickets, how he's made it possible. God will take care of our room. Don't worry about that. I could tell you story after story, she said. God sent me to India with $3 and the clothes on my back. And how he took care of me that whole trip. And she began to share story after story. So with those inspiring stories of faith, Joyce said, I won't worry about the room. And they go on throughout the week. Well, first day, Michelle, their other roommate, another missionary, she's at the Alamo Dome. And if you saw pictures from the GC, it's this huge building where 20, 30, 40,000 people would meet together every day for worship, for business session, for meetings all day long. Well, Michelle is there. She's working in the prayer room. And so part of working in the prayer room was to stand outside and greet people and invite them to come in. And she sees this lady come in who doesn't really look like she belongs there. She had a little boy with her. They were just dressed very casually, and she looked very confused. And so she thought, well, I'll go introduce myself. So she introduces herself to this lady, and the lady's looking around, very bewildered, very confused. She said, what is this place? And she said, oh, this is the Alamo Dome, and this is the General Conference, the Seventh-day Adventist every five years, Adventist from around the world. And the lady said, I thought I was coming to the circus. She said, the circus? She's like, it's my little boy's birthday, and I don't know if I got mixed up on the place or the date, but I thought we were coming to the circus for his birthday. Well, Michelle has compassion on this little guy. He thinks he's he's coming to the circus for his birthday, and here it's this church meeting full of hundreds and thousands of people. Well, she sees a little vendor who's selling ice cream across the way, and she said, I know what. Can I get some ice cream for your little boy just for his birthday? that'd be fine. So she walked the little boy over and told the vendor, I'd like to get this little guy ice cream. It's his birthday. he said, I'm so sorry. We just, you know, closed. It's almost just past five o'clock. And she said, oh, please, could you just open that case back up? It was one of those little rolling carts. Could you just open it up? It's his birthday. And the guy said, I'm so sorry. We close at five. Then she proceeded to say, I'll give you everything in my wallet, digging through $15. If you'll give this little guy ice cream for his birthday. So the vendor opened up his thing, gave the ice cream to the little boy, and took the $15. So Michelle comes back to the room at night with Joy and Melissa and this other girl, and the four of them are there together. She said, you guys wouldn't believe it. It was so awesome. Today I was able to get ice cream for this little boy. He thought he was coming to the circus. She tells the whole story. She said the only problem was that $15 was supposed to buy my food for the rest of the week. So Joy's sitting there, and she remembered that before she came, her dad, when she had left, had given her some $100 bills. And he said, I know you're a missionary in China. I know you've given up everything for God. I know you no longer have a car or a house or a job. Just take these couple hundred dollars. Just take this stack of money. You might need it for some personal expenses. If you can use it, just take it. And so as Michelle shared this story about she just gave her $15. Joy was impressed. Give her one of the hundreds. So she gives her 100 $100. And she says, I can't take that. I'm just a missionary. I mean, that's way too much. I only gave $15. You can't give me a hundred. And she says, This is from God, and there's more where this came from. So Michelle took the money. They go out about their business. The next day, two of the girls go work in the prayer room. The other two are in the exhibit hall telling about the leprosy ministry, inviting people to be in charge. And Michelle, who now has this hundred dollars, meets a friend of hers from AFCO. They catch up together, and the guy says, I'm so glad I'm here. I came here on faith, but I don't know how I'm going to make it. I have so little money for food. We still have a week to go. And Michelle thinks of it, the hundred dollars in the wallet. So she pulls it out. She gives it to the guy. He's like, I can't take that. That's a hundred dollars. She said, it's from God. And I hear that there's more where that came from. And the guy walked off. So she comes back to the room that night and she says, you guys, you wouldn't believe what happened. It was so amazing. I ran into this guy from AFCO and we met and He didn't have any money, but I gave him the hundred dollars. And the girls are all excited. Wow, that's so amazing. And Joy's impressed again. Go back to your stack and give her another hundred. So Joy goes back and she gives her another hundred and she says, you know what? I should give Melissa a hundred too because she's here on faith and she doesn't even know how we're going to pay for this room. So she gives a hundred to Melissa. Next day they go about their duties. Two go to the prayer room, two go to the exhibit hall. They all meet back together late at night. They're tired, they're exhausted. You guys, you wouldn't believe this. I went to the ABC today, and as I was leaving the ABC, this lady called out to me, Melissa says. Don't you work in the prayer room? I turned around, yes, I do. She said, I'm going to have to come there tomorrow. I came last night, you were already closed, but I need prayer, I'm coming tomorrow. Melissa said, you don't have to come tomorrow. Come right now, I'll pray for you. What could I pray for? She said, well, I came here on faith. She said, I have $6 to get me from, that was Monday, I have $6 to get me from now until Sunday. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know God can provide, and I just want you to pray. So Melissa prayed, knowing that she would be the answer to that prayer, and she pulled the $100 from her wallet and gave it to the lady. This continued to happen to these girls over and over and over by the end of that week, Joy had very little left from her stack, and these missionaries who had not even enough to pay for their room continued to give a hundred and continued to give a hundred and pass the hundred on and pass the hundred on. And do you know, by the end of that week, those girls had given almost everything. And I'm sure the worry was there in their heart, even if they weren't trying to think about it. But what about the hotel room? Remember that was going to cost them two thousand. One night. They get back to their room. They're all sharing their stories of what happened throughout the day. And Michelle comes, you guys, you wouldn't believe it. Well, they were expecting something big because all week God had been doing. She said, someone just put $1,800 on our hotel bill. And by the end of the week, God had totally paid it off. It's all God's. And there's more where that came from. You know, it reminded me of a story in 1 Kings 17. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open it up. 1 Kings chapter 17. Maybe a familiar story to some of you, but I want to jump right into it. A story about Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah has just told the king of Israel that there would be no water. God has just told him to go to the brook where he's going to eat, be fed by ravens, and be able to drink. And in verse seven, it says, sometime later, the brook dried up. Has that ever happened in your life? You feel like God was good. God was providing, but it just kind of starts to dry up. There had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him and said, verse nine, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and he came to the town gate, and a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar that I might have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So this is their last meal. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make me a small cake of bread and from what you have and bring it to me and make something for you and your son. And this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Pretty awesome promise, huh? Verse 15, she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord. You know, I love that story because it defies all human logic. It defies common sense. It just doesn't make sense that something that has this much left would keep running over and running over and running over. But I love that story because it's so Consistent with the character of God. That's just how God works. Not just for the girls at the GC or not just for Elijah, but Jesus in Luke chapter 6 says this Luke chapter 6, verse 38 Give and it will be given to you, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. That's just how God seems to do it. Have you ever experienced that before? He calls you to give. Not only does he bless you, but he gives you even extra. In 2006, I had the privilege to go to Africa and to preach for an evangelistic series. And I was only 18 years old at the time. I was dating Zach and his parents and Karen Oswald and some of the people from the conference office were all going to Kenya. And we were going to preach. And they invited us to go. And so we had the opportunity to go And I have so many stories from those few weeks we spent there, almost a month, but maybe that's for another sermon. But God was so good to us. You know, I did not realize when I went there that I was going to be out in a little field by myself preaching some nights with the projector and sometimes not because it was hooked up to a car battery and the car battery would often go out and it would pour rain and you couldn't have the computer in the rain and anyway... Every night we would preach, each in our own little thing. At the end of a couple weeks, we saw hundreds of people baptized. It was amazing. Such an awesome experience. We came back. And if you've ever been to a foreign country and you give your email address away, you know what happens. You start getting lots of emails for requests. Has that ever happened to you? Start getting emails, please send us money to build our church. Please send us money to put me in school. Please send me a bike. Please send me a motorcycle. Please send me a computer. And every time I would get the emails, I would write the same thing back. It was such a privilege to be there with you. I want you to understand that I'm just a student. I'm going to be going to college next year. I'm not going to have a job. I have very little money. The only reason I came there in the first place was because so many people were so generous to give money. And I'm so sorry. I can't help, but I'll pray for you. I wrote this over and over. It seemed like the next day I'd go to the computer, there'd be another email for another motorcycle or another computer, or help with the church, and they were good causes. But I had nothing to give, and so I'd write the same email back. I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. I'm a student, etc." Well, the summer had been busy for us because we'd come back from Kenya. We had just a few days. We prepared for Teen Bible Academy. Zach and I went on TBA, led a group of kids for the next three weeks, Summers we did TBA, we'd always have one day between that and camp meeting to wash our clothes and repack and head for two weeks at camp meeting. So the summer had been very busy. I hadn't been home. My mom had been collecting my mail. And when I got home from all those trips, all those trips, I saw a stack of mail on my dresser. And I had looked through the mail briefly. I saw there were three checks there. And they were the last three checks that I was going to be getting from my work from the past year, from the conference. And so I just had them there on the dresser. Hadn't really even checked how much they were, if I remember right. And one night, I was there at the computer. I saw an email came in. It was from the pastor at the church that I'd worked with in Kenya. As I read the email, he was asking, is there any way you can help send money for my son to come to America to go to school? We need about $1,400 for his ticket. Well, I was going to write the same thing back, just like I had always written. I'm a student. Please, I'll pray for you. I'm so sorry, etc." But I didn't respond, and I happened to walk right into my room and God has a way of working. As I walked into my bedroom, I saw the checks that were on the dresser and this overwhelming urge was send the money for Gideon. Send the money. And I thought, I can't do that. Those are the last checks I'm going to get. I'm headed to school. I'm not going to have a job. I'm supposed to be saving my money so I can survive for the next year. I can't do that. But the overwhelming urge, send the checks, send the checks. So the next morning, my worship, I'm telling God, I I can't do this. And it's not even good stewardship. You don't just send money to a faraway country. You don't know if it's going to be stolen before it ever gets there. Send the money. Send the money. It didn't matter what I was reading in the Bible. Maybe this has happened to you. God can talk to you about any situation wherever you're reading, right? Didn't matter what I was reading that day. Overwhelming. Send it. Well, I didn't want to tell anybody because I thought this is kind of embarrassing. Well, I'll just write the pastor and see how much money he still needs. So I write the email, you know, I'm maybe interested in helping out. How much do you still need? He writes back, $800. $800. I don't even know how much those checks add up to. I add up the three checks, $800. Okay, maybe God wants me to do this. I can't, I can't. I can't send the money. I have to save money. I'm going to be in school. All the back in my mind. Can't do it. Well, I finally got up the courage to tell Zach, who I was dating at the time, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I feel like God wants me to send this money. I know it's not wise to send money to another country, especially just in some envelope with my handwriting. I don't know what to do, but I feel like God wants me to do it. What do I do? And he said, well, you really need to pray about it. You need to know for sure that God wants you to do it before you send that kind of money away. That's like your whole savings, right? Yes, that's my whole savings. Okay, so I prayed about it. God would not let me up on it. I was in Oakhurst Church that Sabbath. I'd been dealing with this all week, struggling back and forth. And as I'm stand, as I'm sitting there, Elder comes up front, and he starts to share this testimony. He says, you know, we have had a really hard year with our business. He said, things have not been going well. He said, some of you know how hard it's been for us. He said, but God has just laid it on our heart that we have got to be faithful with our tithe. And God has been laying it on our heart to give and to be faithful with these offerings. And he said, so we stepped out in faith to do that. And you wouldn't believe how God has blessed us. And I think everyone else that was sitting around was probably saying, wow, that's a great testimony. But God was yelling in my ear, send the money. Send the money. I'll be faithful. I'll take care of you. Send the money. So Zach and I go to the post office next week. And I literally was just fearful, trembling, as I have an $800 check to send. And I get up to the counter. And I remember the lady at the post office looks down, and she's like, Kenya? Kenya? Yes, Kenya. And I pass the check over. She stamps it, puts it with the other mail. And I walked out of the post office with such peace. I just felt like a weight had been lifted off me. I knew I did the right thing. Well, I still had no money, and I was still going to school in just a couple of weeks. But the peace to know that I'd done the right thing was enough. Have you ever experienced that before? You don't know how God's going to do it, but you did the right thing. And so check went off. That next week, I got an envelope in the mail that I was not expecting. It looked like another check from the conference office. And I thought, I wonder why I got this, because payroll ended at the end of camp meeting, and I've been home the last week or two, and I shouldn't have gotten a check. I opened it up. It was for $271. And I thought, well, this isn't right. So I promptly called the office, and I said, I think a mistake happened. I was supposed to be taken off payroll at the end of camp meeting, and the lady said, you're right. I'm so sorry we missed that. You know what? But you have been working so hard. Why don't you just keep it and don't worry about it? Just, just keep it. We'll take you off. We'll get it straight for, you know, the next paycheck. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Deposited my account. It wasn't long after that. Got the mail one day and I had been expecting a reimbursement check for my mileage and different expenses from Teen Bible Academy, but I expected it to be $300. And as I got that, I thought, oh, good, I can deposit that in my account. I open up the check. It's for $517. What? I didn't have that many expenses. I don't think mileage, unless they've really increased our reimbursement for mileage, I don't know why I'd be getting that. I put it in my account. Later that week, one of my grandmas said, hey, would you mind coming over and picking me up and taking me to do some shopping? So I did. As I left, she said, I just want you to take this cash, you know, just for gas for your car, just for coming over to help me today no, 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 you don't need to pay me. I enjoy the day together. Just take it. So I took the cash. As I got home, I thought, it seems like God has been bringing me a lot of money that I was not expecting. And I went to add up those three from the office, for my reimbursements, the money from my grandma. And Do you know it added up to $808? How does God do that? How does God do that. We had a TBA girl. She wanted to go on Teen Bible Academy so bad. She said, I really want to go. I know my parents don't have the money for it, but I'll work. I'll work really hard. So she was cleaning houses. She was babysitting kids. She was doing whatever she could do, as many of the students do. And when it got almost time for TBA, she had this money. She was about ready to turn in, and her mom said, hey, did you pay tithe on that? Well, no, but it's to go on TBA. I mean, I'm not going to buy anything for myself. I don't need to pay tithe on it. Well, maybe you should think about that. That's an increase. You worked for that. <sighs> Do I really have to pay tithe? She said, but she just, she knew it was the right thing. She said she paid the tithe on that check. She goes to count up how much she has left. She said, you wouldn't believe it, but I had $352 left and TBA cost me 350 God has a way of blessing. Proverbs chapter 3 Verse 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. So first, when you get that check of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Did you know you can't outgive God? You cannot outgive Him. I've realized it over and over and over in my life, and I know I'm not that old. But as we give as God called, not recklessly, not just giving a ton so we can give a ton, but as God leads you, just like those missionary girls at the GC, you cannot outgive God. I was going through my journals this week and just remembering over the past 10 years all the ways that God has blessed. And I saw that it was in 2005 that God led me to start giving to the evangelism offering at camp meeting. We had just gotten back from Africa. No, it was the year before we went to Africa. I was getting ready. I just graduated high school, getting ready to join the youth evangelism team. And as we were there, everyone was talking about, if the offering goes over a million, we can really start this team. And all our friends, we were all working in the youth tent at the time. We were so excited. This would be so cool. That means we could spend this whole year together. We could go from place to place, working at churches and working in schools and working with high school age youth. It would be so awesome. And so every night when we'd pray in our staff meeting, we'd pray for that offering to go over a million dollars so that we could all have a job the next year. We could all work together, take a year out of school. Well, God started laying on my heart that He wanted me to give too. And I did not have a lot. I had just graduated. I was going to be working for Him that next year. And you start to kind of rash, you know, rationale things in your mind. Well, I'm going to be dedicating a whole year to God. I mean, I, I don't need to give money too. I mean, I'm giving my time and number on my mind just kept coming back that God wanted me to give too. And we'd pray for that offering to go over a million dollars. God wanted me to give too. And so I kind of kept wrestling with it, but I don't have a lot of money, but I'm going to give a year of my time. But then the last day I just thought, why do I keep arguing with God? I'll just pray that God will show me in His Word if He wants me to give. You know, that's a bad prayer to pray if you don't want God to show you, because as I prayed, sitting there in the camp meeting trailer, I just said, God, I'm just going to have my worship this morning. If you show me clearly, I'll give the amount that you've laid on my heart. Well, that day I happened to be reading in Psalm 96. And if you've read in Psalm 96, you know that when verse 8 comes, it says, bring an offering before the Lord. So I knew that's what he wanted me to do. So I wrote out my little pledge card and I dropped it in. It wasn't for a lot. It was for a couple hundred dollars, but I dropped it in. And that year, even though I was not working for much, God helped me pay the pledge little by little. So a couple years passed, 2007 we're at camp meeting, and again, I'm headed to college the next year, and I feel like God's leading me to give money for the evangelism offering. Well, okay, if God shows me again, he makes it clear. I fill out the pledge, and this time I had way less money because I was in school now, and I wasn't working. I was taking a full load of classes, um, so I had less money to live on for sure, but I thought, it's okay. I have a whole year. God has been so faithful. He can do it. So I put in my pledge in the little box, peace that God was going to provide. Well, it wasn't two weeks after camp meeting until one afternoon, Zach said, hey, do you want to go hiking with me? And we hike up to the top of Fresno Dome, and he's carrying this backpack with all these awesome belongings. And he ends up proposing and asking me to marry him, which, of course, I said yes. Actually, I didn't say yes. I said, of course, of course. I was so excited. But the thought came very soon after. (gasps) what about that evangelism pledge? We'd been planning to get married the next summer, but we were only home a day or two and Zach's parents started talking. What if you got married at Christmas? That'd be so much better. You would only have to wait a few months and oh, it'd be so great. And then you guys get an apartment at PUC for the rest of the school year. So in about a day, they convinced us and we started planning for our wedding at Christmas, but over and over, it just kept coming to my mind. What about that pledge I made? Because I had made this pledge thinking that I had a whole year to pay it and I didn't want to put that burden on Zach. I mean, I had been the one praying about it. I felt like God had given me the amount to give, and I had pledged that on my own. And I couldn't get married in just five months from now and still have, like, a debt to pay. And so I just started taking it to God. And during that year, my account went down and down and down. And by the last couple of months, Zach was buying everything. Anytime we'd go out to eat, he would pay for stuff. Anytime we went to the store, he'd pay for stuff because I, I had Nothing but it was okay. We were going to get married and everything would be fine. But I just kept pleading with God, God, help me to be able to pay that pledge before we got married. Our wedding was December 30. And on Christmas, God blessed me with gifts that I did not expect to get. You know, people sometimes will give you gifts. Well, the things that I did not expect, money came $250. And I thought, oh, wow, how much did I have left on my pledge? $200. $200. And so on December 27, I paid my last $200 for the evangelism offering, getting married on December 30 with no outstanding pledge. And I thought, God is so amazing. How does he keep doing it? Just year after year after year. One year, a couple years later, we made this pledge, huge pledge, because we felt like God was leading to it. Not because we thought, oh, if we give so much, it'll be great. Only, we only give if God makes it very clear. And God had laid on our heart to give this huge amount, and I thought, "But I still have some school loans left over from my first couple year of college, and we still have the motor home to sell." Do you know that year God sold the motor home, and He paid off our evangelism pledge, and He paid off my school loans, and we still lack nothing. God is so amazing. <laughs> I could share so many—I don't even have time—but I could share so many even blessings from our wedding. You know, here we were; we had very little. But God just poured out his blessings as we tried to work for him, as we tried to give as he led us to. Some guy called us up. He said, I know you're planning to just take a honeymoon at the coast, but you know what? My kids went to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago. They had such a great time. Do you think you could make time in your schedule if I flew you to Hawaii and paid for everything? <laughs> I think we could make time for that. <laughs> and the blessings just kept coming. Someone offered to have our reception, the whole hall, we could just have it for free. When I went to pick up the programs for the wedding and the invitations, I said, how much do I owe you? And he said, nothing. You guys are a blessing and we just want to bless you too. I mean, this happened over and over and over. Last Sabbath, Zach shared about our evangelism pledge from 2010 when I had a number and Zach had a number and when we met together and said, okay, I think this is what God's telling me and this is what God's telling you. And they didn't match. said, what's up with that? If God's going to lay something on our heart, it better be together. But over the next couple days, how God impressed us, you need to combine that amount and give both of them. And it was huge because here we were, we were headed off to school. And how was God going to do it? But we pledged that amount at camp meeting. And I still remember that Sabbath afternoon. It was like I was just on the verge of tears for almost all afternoon because we put that pledge in knowing that God wanted us to do it, having peace, but yet just wondering how he was going to do it. (laughs) He had been so faithful in the past, but we just put it in. Pretty much the wholesale from the motorhome. We, we didn't have hardly anything. We get to Andrew's. Zach shared some of the testimonies. But from, maybe we were there one month. I just saw in my journal this week, I had an entire list of ways that God had blessed us. He told you last week that we got there and the apartment was horrible. It was He, he made it sound nicer than it really was. It was horrible. It was so dirty. It was disgusting. But because of that... They gave us a week of our rent back. That was another $160. We get there and they let me know, you know what? We said that these scholarships we were going to apply to your account, but we didn't realize that you've worked in ministry for the past couple of years. So we've added another $1,500 scholarship to your account. Oh, thank you, Lord. Before we leave, my parents, they say, we want to, you know, just tune up your car. Well, it was more than a tune-up. They tune up everything. They align the car. They wash the car. They replace all this stuff. Well, how much was it? Oh, we just want to give it to you. Thing after thing like that started happening. I was at school. My very first week, first two days, I'm like, I already know my favorite teacher. This guy was so nice. He taught in the religion department. He always taught the practical classes. He had all these stories and was just a warm, friendly person. The first, so I tell my friend, he's totally my favorite, totally my favorite teacher. She said, you haven't even met him all. I said, oh, but he's so fun. And I just, I love him. First week of school. I know I don't know you. My name is Pastor Russell. I know your friend Lindsay though, and I just wondered if you would want to work for me this year. I don't even know you. Of course I want to work for you. I need a grader to work for me. I need someone, you know, to sub some of my classes. And I know Lindsay, and she's a great girl. And I thought if you're friends with Lindsay, you must be a good girl too. And that job was such a blessing because there's something I could do from home, grading papers. And he was so gracious. He said, you know what? If Zach can help you grade papers, just put the double time on there as much as you work and it can just, you can pay, we can pay both of you. And God just took care of us over and over. And it wasn't like there was no sacrifice. We lived on very little. Zach would stand in line at the food pantry twice a week with all the foreign students. And I would be embarrassed as he would stand there to get free food. We had one little car that I'd had from high school, and we still have. And I drove this week, and it just clicked over to 180,000 miles, and God has kept it strong. So I'm not saying that God will just pour so many blessings, and you'll just be able to live, you know, rich and wild. We lived very simply, but we never lacked anything. Never lacked anything. And God would just bless us abundantly. We'd go to the store. We'd find stuff for way cheaper than we thought it would be. Over and over and over, God came true on his promise. Psalm 34, verse 10. It's become one of my favorites. Psalm 34, verse 10. It says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. They lack no good thing. There were times when I was worried, I'll be honest. Even though God was pouring out his blessings, even though he was so good, I remember one morning waking up just so anxious. I'd gotten a text that our cell phone bill was due. It seemed like it was way more expensive than it should have been. And I just felt so worried. And I remember going to my worship thinking, God, okay, the cell phone bill, that's one thing. But have you noticed that with our evangelism pledge, our account keeps going down and down and down? And I'm really not making that much. I'm working here for Pastor Russell, but it's not much. And you know those anxious feelings? How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to make it? Maybe you've had that feeling before. And that particular morning, I just went to God, which I would encourage you to do when you're facing trials like that. And I just poured out my heart. I said, God, we're here because you brought us here. We're here trying to work for you. You have been so good to us, but we need help. Our money keeps going down and down. And I know we haven't lacked anything yet, but just those anxious feelings of what would happen. And that morning... God led me to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven promises that He would provide. The first one was Philippians four nineteen. Maybe you know that promise. It says, "My God will supply all of your needs according to your riches in Jesus." First Peter five seven. Cast your care upon the Lord because He. Cares for you, Psalm fifty, verse fifteen, where it says, "God owns the cattle on a thousand hills." He's more able to provide for us than you can imagine. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two, cast your burden on the Lord; He will sustain you. He'll never let the righteous fall. And I don't know how God led me to so many in one morning. It wasn't even like I was, you know, reading a reading plan. I would just kind of flip around, and God just led me to promise after promise after promise. Psalm fifty-six, three and four. Psalm one, fifteen. The Lord has been mindful of us. He Will, bless us. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear. I will help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. I left that worship time with no more money, no more assurance. I didn't know for sure what was going to happen, but I left with peace that God is more than faithful. God is more than able. You can never outgive God. And yes, it was hard at times. Yes, we sacrificed. But God was so good. I don't not look back on those years and say, wow, we really sacrificed. I look back on those years and say, how did God do that? He was so good. Near the end of our time there, I guess it was halfway through, we get a bill in the mail for $845 for the credits that Zach is overloading in the summer. You can take a certain amount of credits, but... He knew that I wanted to come back to California, and so out of the goodness of his heart, he said, a lot of people at the seminary take a whole summer session off, but rather than taking one off, I'm going to take a full load every single session, and I'm going to overload so that we can get back to California sooner. So we get a bill in the mail for $845. What is this for? Because if you've been sponsored by the seminary, they take care of your expenses. So we call in and they said, well, it's true. The conference takes care of all your expenses. Unless you overload, then that's your responsibility. Oh, wow. $845. How are we going to do that? Well, God had blessed me that summer with a scholarship program that if I worked uh, with a church, they would match, the conference would match. But they had God had also blessed me with another job. And so I had two jobs that summer. So I thought, well, okay, we can probably do it. $845. We can do it. And so that called, he said, well, let me just call and ask about it. So he called and he said, you know, I just have a question about this. It's not two classes that I'm taking that makes me overload, but it's actually just these practicum credits. Is there any way around this? And I said, I'm so sorry. It's actually $690 that you owe, but your conference has been generous and paid half of that for you. So you only owe 845. There's no way around it okay, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. So one day I'm getting ready for work. I have to be there by eight. And if you're like me, sometimes you're late and you're rushing out the door. But as I'm rushing out the door, I don't even know what inspired me to say it, but I just said, hey, Zach, check real quick online. When is that 845 due? And he said, oh, okay. And so he's typing on his computer. He's looking online as fast as he can while I'm getting ready. I'm headed out the door. And he said, I, I think there's a mistake because I logged on and it says the Balance is zero. Uh, okay, you need to call and check about that. I'll see you at lunchtime. And I left. He calls up to the office, the same office that he had called before, and they said there's no way around it. You actually owe double. The conference is paid half. You definitely have to pay. That's your responsibility. He called up to the business office. I think there's a mistake on my account. My bill is due, and I need to pay. No, sir, there's no No, there's no balance. It looks like the conference has paid off the entire thing. How does God do it? When we are faithful to give what God has called us to, just from my own experience, my own testimony, it's simple. It's one person. It's only over the last couple of years. But over and over, God has just showed me that you cannot outgive God. You can't. When you do what He's called you to do, He is more than faithful. Yes, you might not have a huge abundance, but you will never lack any good thing. David said it this way in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five: I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Never, ever. Not when I was young, not when I was old. Never. This year at camp meeting, the guy that was leading out music in our department, he kept singing a hymn over and over, night after night, that he was teaching the young adults. And it was the hymn, Only Trust Him. And as I listened to that song every night, I had to kind of learn it at first, and then it starts to catch on, and then it starts playing in your head. And the chorus of that song just kept coming to me over and over and over. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him. And I began to realize as I think about stewardship, as I think about all the ways God calls us to give, a faithful tithe, as God calls us to support certain projects, as God lays on our heart an amount to give, it's not that he can't do it. It's really, will we trust him? Will we trust him? And as I've sung that song over and over and over, I begin to realize that that just doesn't apply to stewardship and my money. That applies to every area in my life. And I'm going through things right now where I need that message over and over and over again. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him. He's more than faithful. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are more than faithful. You have shown us over and over again. And I'm sure if we had time, we could share testimonies all around this church of how you have been so good Lord, we know from examples in the Bible, from what Jesus teaches, from our own experiences, that we cannot outgive you. And so, Father, make us faithful stewards. Help us to be sensitive to when you're calling us to do something, whether it's to pay a faithful tithe or to support a certain project or support a missionary or whatever it is that we will do it even when it doesn't make sense. Because, God, that's just how you are. The oil does not run out and the flour does not run out. And the hotel bills are paid and you bless and you bless and you bless. Father, today, I don't know where people are at. I don't know what they're going on, what's going on in their life. Maybe it has nothing to do about money or stewardship. Maybe you're calling them to give their time or their talents or some resource. Father, I pray that whatever you're calling us to this morning, we would only trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.